0: Hello and welcome to the Crow's Nest. I'm your host, The Political Pirate. This will be a podcast where I, where I will pick a few of the week's top political stories and give you my take on some of today's most controversial topics. So if you have a story that you, that you want to hear or just want to rant for or against a topic I cover, you can reach me at my email, ThePirate, th 3 pir 43 at gmail.com or go to the website, apoliticalpirate.blogspot.com. Backing up this podcast, I will link all the stories I cover at the website. So now, let's get down to the dirt of the day. The president's second choice for Sandra Day O'Connor's seat of the land's highest court stepped down. Harriet Myers was replaced in a hasty fashion with Samuel A. Alto, Jr. After heavy criticism from both parties, that Myers lacked the sufficient experience in any of the criteria that a justice of the Supreme Court should have. She was replaced by... Four days later, by auto. Here's the president's... Good
1: morning. This week, I was proud to nominate Judge Sam Alito to be an associate justice on the Supreme Court of the United States. Judge Alito is one of America's most accomplished and respected judges. During his long career in public service, he has demonstrated all the qualities that the American people expect in a Supreme Court justice. Mastery of the law, a deep commitment to justice, and great personal character. He is scholarly, fair-minded, and principled, and these traits will serve our nation well on our highest court. Judge Alito now serves on the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Third Circuit. When he was nominated to his current seat in 1990, Judge Alito received strong bipartisan support, and the United States Senate confirmed him by unanimous consent. He has served on that court with distinction for 15 years and now has more prior judicial experience than any Supreme Court nominee in more than 70 years. During his career on the bench, Judge Alito has participated in thousands of appeals and authored hundreds of opinions. He has demonstrated that he understands the proper role of a judge, to interpret the Constitution and laws, not to impose the judge's own preferences or priorities on the people. And in the performance of his duties, Judge Alito's brilliance, his modesty, and his even demeanor have gained him the respect of his colleagues and of the attorneys appearing before him. Prior to becoming a judge, Sam Alito served for three years as the United States Attorney for the District of New Jersey. When President Reagan nominated him to this position in 1987, the Senate confirmed him by unanimous consent. As the top prosecutor in one of the nation's largest federal districts, Sam Alito moved aggressively against white-collar and environmental crimes, drug trafficking, organized crime, and violations of civil rights. He showed a passionate commitment to the rule of law, and he gained a reputation for being both tough and fair. Before becoming U.S. Attorney, Sam Alito served in other critical positions in the Department of Justice. In the Office of Legal Counsel, he provided constitutional advice for the president and the executive branch. As assistant to the Solicitor General, he argued 12 cases before the Supreme Court. As an assistant U.S. attorney, he argued dozens of cases before the Federal Courts of Appeals. The son of an Italian immigrant who came to America in 1914, Sam Alito is a product of New Jersey public schools. He was valedictorian and student council president at Hamilton East Steinert High School in Hamilton, New Jersey. He went on to become a Phi Beta Kappa graduate of Princeton University. He attended Yale Law School and was editor of the Yale Law Journal. After graduating from law school, he was a law clerk for a federal court of appeals judge. He has served in the Army Reserves, where he achieved the rank of captain. Sam Alito's life has been marked by consistent excellence and achievement, combined with personal decency and a commitment to public service. The United States Senate will now exercise its constitutional responsibility to advise and consent on Judge Alito's nomination. The process is off to a good start. Since I announced his nomination, Judge Alito has met with many senators, and they are learning more about his great character, accomplishments, and ability. Our nation is fortunate to have a man of Judge Alito's intellect and integrity willing to serve. I look forward to the Senate voting to confirm Judge Alito as 110th Justice of the Supreme Court of the United States. Thank you
0: for listening. Okay. You've heard what the President has to say. Here's my take on it. Several moderates, including a Republican, suggest they have concerns. Senator Lincoln Chaff, Republican of Rhode Island, indicated he, would, he was troubled by the number of autos' decisions, including his dissent in the 1991 decision striking down a Pennsylvania law that would have required a woman to tell her husband that she planned to have an abortion. During the past 15 years, Judge Alto has taken many positions that appear to have placed him at odds with protection of key fundamental rights. It is a vital that the senator carefully examine these cases, Chaffee said. Senator Mark Pryor, Democrat of Arkansas, said he was disappointed that Bush did not consult the Senate on the Alto nomination. Senator John Corney, Republican of Texas, said the Democrats attempt to at filibuster, Republicans will retaliate by barring the procedure in votes or judicial nominations. Senator Kay Bailey Hutchison, Republican from Texas, praised Otto as somebody who knows as a brilliant legal mind and a jurist who will not make laws from the bench. Bush wants a confirmation vote on Otto before Christmas. Spector said he did not know if the timetable was realistic given the need to evaluate Otto's existing record. Reed Reed called for a detailed, possibly lengthy review of nominees almost 30 years of federal prosecutor, Justice Department official judge. I can't see the hearing starting before the first of the year. But, you know, that's my take on things, and a few of the Senators and Republicans and Democrats out there. If you would like to give your opinion on this story, or just drop me a line and make an impeachment statement if you'd like to, or just write me a question, you can send them... To me at my email, like I listed before, which is thepirate at gmail.com, TH3PIR4T3 at gmail.com. Or go to the website, www.apoliticalpirate.blogspot.com. And you might just end up here in a crow's nest. This past week, while listening to the Alex Jones Show on the GCN Network, I heard an interview that I thought all of you here should hear as well. So I'm going to go ahead and play this for you and give you my take on the other side.
2: Honored to be joined by the owner of Puffer Belly Toys, Stephanie Cox. Uh, this is out of the Associated Press. So far as she knows, Puffer Toys owner Stephanie Cox hasn't been passing any state secrets to sinister foreign governments or violating obscure clauses in the Patriot Act. So she was taken aback by a mysterious phone call from the U.S. Department of Homeland Security to her small store in the quiet Columbia River town just north of Portland. I was shaking in my shoes, Cox said of the September phone call. My first thought was the government can shut your business down on a whim, in my opinion. If I'm closed even for a day, that would cause undue stress. When the two agents arrived at the store, the lead agent asked Cox whether she carried a toy called the Magic Cube, which he said was an illegal copy of the Rubik's Cube, one of the most popular toys of all time. He told her to remove the Magic Cube from her shelves, and he watched to make sure she complied. No warrant, no order, no judge's order, no nothing. After the agents left, Cox called the manufacturer of the Magic Cube, the Toysmith Group, which is based in Auburn Wash. A representative told her that Rubik's Cube patent had expired, and the Magic Cube had not infringed on the rival toys trademark. And a uh, spokesman for Customs Enforcement said that it's part of infrastructure protection uh, that Homeland Security is over the entire economy and every facet of life. Two years ago, I saw Ridge on C-SPAN say this. Everything you do, everything you buy, everything you sell, from public schools to homeschooling to inoculations uh, to your driver's license to your job at a restaurant will be screened by Homeland Security. It has nothing to do... With terrorism, the borders are wide open, and Bush says he's not worried about Bin Laden. Joining us is Stephanie Cox. Stephanie, good to have you on the broadcast with us.
3: I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Uh, Puffer
2: Belly Toys, a toy store um, there in your town in Washington, and then uh, we called the toy store, the, the manufacturer, that they never got a visit. Why are you a seller of a? of a Rubik's cube knockoff getting visits by homeland security
3: Well, you know amidst all this uh this publicity, we still have not figured that one out. That has not uh come to light i don't I don't know the answer to that. I asked the agents that in fact, when they came to visit me, why they didn't deal directly with the manufacturer, and um their response basically was that it was out of their jurisdiction. They were just told to deal with me, and they were basically following orders so I, I honestly don't know that
2: answer. Well, on PrisonPlanet.com, we have a giant section of the Patriot Act and Homeland Security being used against the American people. Hot dealers, county commissioners that are engaged in bid rigging for parking spaces, uh, speeders have had it used on them. But this is an all-time new low. With our borders wide open, we're told... Suitcase nukes may have come across the southern border in Arizona. Uh, there's less border patrol now than ever, but they've got plenty of time and energy to come harass you.
3: I know. it's very ironic that, um, they were designed to protect us from terrorism, but yet there's very little being done on that, on that agenda. And it's also ironic that, that Americans didn't realize how Homeland Security was structured and that Immigration and Customs fell under that. I think that that was why it was so scary for me to get the phone call, because it was strictly a Homeland Security issue, and then as a sideline they mentioned with Immigration and Customs. So, yeah, it's it's interesting. I'm learning a lot about how Homeland Security is structured.
2: Well, Homeland Security is also over infrastructure protection. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are about 80% of federal agencies are under Homeland Security and in the new national ID card bill that has passed the House and Senate and is going to go to the President's desk very soon, it's in conference, they say everything, every job, every crime, every misdemeanor will all be punishable under Homeland Security and there will be no due process. Now, did they present you with an order or something when they sat there and watched you take uh, these magic cubes these Rubik's Cube-type toys off your shelf?
3: No, there was no order. They showed me uh, some paperwork. that They showed me basically a picture of the Magic Cube and asked me if that was what I was selling, and, and I said yes, and then they asked me to take it off the shelf. But there was no legal paperwork that I was presented with um, at all. So
2: Well, this is how they do it in Nicaragua or Russia or Vietnam is men just drop by and say, this is what you will do. In America, you get due process, but I guess not anymore. Uh, Every time time they put up more cameras in my town or some other city, I'm reading the press releases, it's Homeland Security put them in to fight terror and crime and crime. Mm -hmm.
3: Mm Mm-hmm. And I think the best best thing we can do to fight this is keep talking about it and keep it in the forefront. And it's very scary. I didn't realize, I never thought that Homeland Security would ever affect me in my small little town. So if it can affect me... It certainly can
2: affect anyone. Well, I'll tell you what. Can you hold just for about 45 seconds? Um, I want to play Bush saying, again, he's not worried about bin Laden from a press conference earlier this year. I guess he's losing sleep at night protecting us from puffer belly toys. (laughs) that that didn't even manufacture the magic cube. So let's go ahead and uh, play
1: that clip, please. The threat that's been
3: not imposed on fully be eliminated until he has found either dead or
1: alive. Well, as I say, we hadn't heard much from him. And uh, I wouldn't necessarily say he's at the center of any command structure. And, uh, you know, again, I don't know where he is. I... Uh, <laughs> I I, I, I repeat what I said. I truly am not that concerned about him. I know he is on the run. I was concerned about him when he had uh, taken over a country. Okay. Uh, I was concerned about the fact that he was basically running.
2: You were concerned that our government put him into control of Afghanistan? Uh, Mr. Bush, you were concerned about that like every other boogeyman? Uh, so we're talking to the owner of Puffer Belly Toys, Stephanie Cox, and uh, they're in Oregon. And, Stephanie, describe what it was like when you first got the phone call, then you actually got a got a visit, and, and and how they treated you.
3: Well, the first time I got the phone call was in July, and that was really terrifying for me because, as I said, that's when they presented themselves as Homeland Security and they would not answer any of my questions on the phone. They made it very clear they needed to see me in my store, and uh, there was no indication of what what. The nature of the visit would be except it was about a product so i had no idea what to expect and i was very concerned that they would close my store down
2: you were probably imagining that some type of chemical weapon or something was hidden in a toy
3: I was racking my brain for anything. I, I couldn't fathom, I couldn't fathom what Homeland Security needed with, with my little toy store. Really
2: so could. then, then they arrived. At what
3: well, actually they called, we set up an appointment and, in July and he had to call back and cancel and he said at that time that he would call me at a later date to set up so, another appointment.
2: So for months, he made you wonder what this was about
3: quite honestly, I, I at that point just assumed it was a prank, a really elaborate prank because I did not hear back from him until september. and And uh, that phone call in September was a little more. he gave a little more information. that's when he mentioned it was a certain product and it had something to do with with trademark. There was a certain term he used, that I wish I could remember that um, uh, that's when I realized that it was a, a trademark issue, and that he said there was a complaint filed against me in washington d c. So that, that's when he actually came, like the day after that phone call. So, yes, they waited a couple of months
2: before but, they came But down. they haven't gone after the manufacturer because they know their rights, and we checked up on it. The patent has expired uh, on the Rubik's Cube, and they're certainly not going to mess with Communist China that makes all of these things. So instead, I guess they're out harassing uh, those that are actually selling
3: it. I am very curious to see if they have i don't even know if they have checked into other toy stores, but certainly I'm not the only toy store, nor the biggest toy store that sells this product, but as far as I know, I'm the only one that has been um, approached by by the agent
2: What was um, it like when they were in your store?
3: They were very polite, I, I must say. They, they, they could tell I was, I was frightened, I think. <laughs> and um, they, they were just following orders, I could tell. I asked them, you know, it was literally a 10-minute interview for them to come all the way from Portland to St. Helens, which is a 45-minute drive one way, and it was 2 agents. And uh, I asked them why they couldn't just resolve this on the phone because it was such a short, quick process. I could have, I could have certainly pulled the products at their request. Over the phone.
2: And they're not, they're not at the borders, they're not at the ports, uh, not at all. they're training us how to be good little slaves, and so I guess now you don't carry the magic cube?
3: I do carry it, actually. The The minute the agents left, I called the manufacturer to find out what was going on, because they would know more about the legal issues than I would, and they responded that that issue was resolved. It was a legal item to sell. And at that point, I um I kept the Rubik's or the magic cube and put it back on the shelf. So I am still selling it. Um. So I, again, it was a waste of trip for the agents to come out for, for nothing.
2: Well, I certainly feel safer knowing that pot <laughs> dealers and county commissioners and topless bars and now now ladies and gentlemen, toy stores have got the watchful eye of owned Homeland over them.
3: I know. I'm a little concerned. What's going to happen after the publicity dies down? So who knows? Who knows?
2: What do you mean?
3: Well, you know, uh, I think I think uh, I'm safe from harassment. If I if I ticked off Homeland Security, I'm definitely safe from harassment while I'm in the public eye right now. But uh,
2: well, when... if they're good people, they wouldn't harass some entrepreneur uh, with a business in America. Maybe that's what they don't like. Is that there's still a few businesses left in the country?
3: I think they don't like that there are a few small businesses left. I think they want it all to be big corporations. That's my feeling. That's always been my feeling. It's, it's not easy or glamorous being a small business owner, but we're still, there's enough of us out here still trying to do it. We certainly don't need added, um, (laughs) harassment to our already busy schedule,
2: so. Uh, where is your store located?
3: I am in St. Helens, Oregon. It's a small town forty five minutes outside of Portland. Um, we can see Mount Saint Helens from our town, so hence the name. But it's a very small town, very very uh rural in a way. So not not a big metropolis by any means. But they've got time to send
2: Homeland Security out. Well <laughs> uh, the owner of puffer belly toys under the microscope of the homeland, keeping us safe. Uh, (laughs) Folks, your entire life will be run by them. Ridge has said it, especially once we have our new national ID card. Uh, Stephanie Cox, thank you for joining us, and uh, thank you for selling the Evil Cube.
3: You are welcome, and I will continue to sell it. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Take care.
0: Well, there you go, folks. There it is, the Homeland Security hard at work keeping us protected from the evils of Rubik's Cube's knockoffs. Where are they going with this? We must protect our kids from bad Chinese toys. Meanwhile, we have millions of illegal aliens slipping in over the borders every year with God knows what plans for this country. And the Homeland Security Office is busy taking knockoff toys off the shelves, which are actually allowed by law to be on those shelves. Well, there's another $300 million of our tax dollars well spent on taking out the little guy while ignoring the real problems. Well, I'm just about out of time here. So, uh, basically, let me give a shout of thanks out to Alex Jones on Infowars.com, the band Intro Bang, for uh, allowing me to use their music for my opening and closer. Well, this is the Political Pirate, and remember, folks, love your country, but fear your government.